With the holidays around the corner, now's your chance to save time and money at Safeway Stock Up Sale. Plus, earn four times gas reward points on participating items. Look for tags on items like Honey Nut Cheerios. Select varieties are four for eight dollars with your club card. And select varieties of Betty Crocker Cake Mix, Brownie Mix, or Frosting are ten for ten dollars with your club card. Maximum gas reward at participating Sunoco stations is twenty cents per gallon and one dollar per gallon at Safeway stations in a single fill of up to twenty-five gallons. Other restrictions, limitations, and exclusions apply. For complete details, go to Safeway.com. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I am Danny Lou, your host, and so happy to bring you your team every day. And really excited about this episode. It is the first time my friend and podcast partner, Nate Duncan, has come on the show. And it was an idea we talked about for a little while ahead of time, which was the entire Pacific Division from the perspective of the Warriors. So we talk about who's a threat now, who's going to be a threat down the road. And so while there isn't a ton of Warriors talk, it's really what to look for with those teams moving forward. And since the two of us really do follow the whole NBA, thought it would be a really fun conversation. And it did turn out into something that was illuminating. And I I hope you feel the same way. This episode is sponsored by Athletes Collective, a great high-end athletic apparel company. You can go to athletescollective.com and use the promo code WARRIORS for 15% off your first order. The conversation is about 40 minutes, and I I hope you'll like it. A lot of fun, as always, to talk to Nate. Thanks so much for coming on. Absolutely. Uh, Looking forward to talking a little Warriors here. Yeah, we're going to have to do that a little bit this season, and it's fun to do it on Locked on Warriors. And you and I talked about this ahead of time of a concept for a podcast and going into this division. And the, the really the place to start is the present. And do you see any of the teams outside of the Clippers being a, a near term threat to the Warriors? I mean, what, what's the near term? 10 years? What's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are we yeah, talking I, in like geologic time or? Uh, yeah. Let's talk yeah. next 12 months. <laughs> no, I, 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 other than just like somebody undercutting someone on a drive and injuring them, uh, I do not see any of those remaining three teams as a threat, no. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that each of them, maybe not the Lakers, you could develop a theory for how they could make the playoffs. And I, I've somebody who's been kind of an advocate for that the, the idea that the Suns are, are could be better than people think. Yeah, you know, but, it's interesting, actually. I, in doing their preview with Michael Schwartz on my show, I actually was starting to regret taking their over 26 and a half and, uh, because I think they just have so many rotation slots that are just going to totally young, unproven guys who are probably going to be bad, and they have injury risk, too. So I was actually, I've kind of been going in the opposite direction on the Suns from you. Yeah, 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 I like disagreements because we have so few of them. So yeah, it, it'll be different, but but Jared Dudley can help them a lot. And they actually have two centers that are good enough and they probably won't find a trade market for Tyson Chandler during the season. But, yeah, see, I think both their centers are going to be bad. Uh, I mean, Len it just has like too much fat in his game. He's had like a center with a pretty high usage rate and like 48% true shooting, not really that great on defense. Chandler could be good, but he's like suffering again with more of these hamstring injuries. So that that's a pretty big concern. Those ruined his year last year. So I, I, like, I don't see a single above average player at any of their front court positions right now. And that, that was like the big concern for me. And then, you know, if Dudley gets hurt or just, you know, they have to bring in a backup power forward sometime and it's going to be either Chris or Bender. And those guys are going to be awful too as rookies, even if they have some potential. So that's why I think that the Suns are, are going to be bad at not to hijack the, the show, but uh, it's, uh, I mean, I think like maybe with Bledsoe and Knight and Booker, those guys would be good. But even Booker is, I think, 
a little bit overrated at this point. He's going to be a good scorer, but he'll probably give a lot of that back on defense. Again, a guy who's going to be a good prospect, but just young guys uh, of that age are, are generally just not winning basketball players, even if they are skilled. There are a lot of parallels to another guy in this division, D'Angelo Russell, who has a lot of talent, particularly on the offensive end, but we sometimes rush into thinking they're going to be a an overall positive or an overall strong positive because of those inklings and because of the offensive end, and then remembering that last year both of them were absolute sieves, and that should get better for each of them. You know, that's something that improves with time, especially because I would say both of them are sufficient athletes where that's not going to be their downfall defensively, but you have to prove it before you do it. And it's the same thing with the Wolves. But with those two guys in particular, it really does line up with maybe having a little bit of an overrated year where they're good, but they haven't pieced it together all the way. So should we, since we don't have that much time, should we talk about the, the Clippers first? I mean, I, I think yeah, that's the that. one team that interests me for this year in terms of, all right, if they actually have to play each other in the playoffs, like what are the matchups going to be? So I'll let, I'll let you kind of talk first about a theoretical seven game series. Let's say full strength, because that's the most fun way to talk about this. Yeah, to me, the biggest problem for the Clippers, as it is with most of the teams that they're going to play an elite competition, is just what they're going to do on the wing. J.J. Redick doesn't really have the size to contest Clay Thompson, even though he works hard. Uh, if they're going to play someone like Bob Mute, who actually would have a chance on Kevin Durant, then the Warriors are going to do a great job of just not guarding him on the other end. Uh, so, And then you still have some of the age-related questions with Chris Paul that he could decline a little bit. Will he be able to guard Steph Curry and also do everything he needs to do on offense? Blake Griffin, you know, I mean, if this were the Clippers of two years ago, I might feel a little bit better about their chances just because you'd say Blake would, would go off. But then the Warriors also have the perfect guy to guard Blake one-on-one -on -one in, in Draymond Green. And then just defensively, I like what the Clippers have been doing this preseason. They've been switching everything. And I'm not sure whether Doc thinks that's the best strategy or not. But last year, you remember on one of my shows, we said they should just start switching everything now when it looked like for sure they're going to match up with the Warriors. Like just start doing that in March just as practice just so you can get ready for it. And so uh, that I think could be useful, but now the Warriors have probably the one guy in the league who's the least switchable in Kevin Durant. He can shoot right over someone like Redick or, or uh, you know, go by someone like uh, DJ or even score pretty well on, on Blake. So I think uh, even that strategy is not going to work that well. And, and they're just, they're not gonna be able to stop the Warriors, even if they may be the team that's best equipped to actually score against them. The offense-defense split is incredibly important there, and DeAndre Jordan is probably underrated offensively and overrated defensively, and that really comes to roost against Golden State when they go five out, because the Clippers don't have a ton of help defense, and while DeAndre can switch well, there are some structural things that the Warriors can do in terms of moving other guys and running pick and rolls and just getting the Clippers into a spot where they're going to be relying on Blake or whoever they're playing at the three to be a help defender at the rim. And Blake struggles when he's in foul trouble. You can get him into foul trouble. And if they're playing in Bamute, he helps a lot defensively, but you create all these other problems. Yeah, and Alan Anderson, while he could be an okay two-way guy on the wing, his health is a concern. He's probably not big enough, really, ideally, to guard Durant. Maybe the hope for them is that Wesley Johnson, in his second year playing for a real team, can actually develop into, you know, because so, he's someone who I think, if you just look at him standing there as physical tools, he actually is probably better equipped to guard Durant th than a lot of small forwards. But 
you know, obviously has never really put it together uh, on either end. Yeah, Wes is kind of the X factor in that way because he's the only one of their threes that has upside. So when you think about that and you when you go to their high end, because any team, especially the Clippers, are going to have to be at their high end in order to beat the Warriors, particularly in a seven game series. And so Johnson is is the way to do that. And also the Clippers have depth in terms of guys that can play, but that depth is not particularly well suited to either stepping into a, a larger role in the case of foul trouble, or even necessarily well suited to handling this Warriors bench, depending on how Kerr manufactures it with a stagger. One thing that actually is an interesting thing that's maybe a little outside the scope of this podcast but that just occurred to me is the question of whether the Warriors are even going to play the Clippers you have to imagine they'll be the three seed San Antonio will be the two or vice versa who do you like to come out of that matchup to potentially play the Warriors in the West Finals yeah, I mean, the last time the Clippers and Spurs faced each other, the Clippers the Clippers did win. These teams are structurally different. I think it, the big question will be Kawhi, because Kawhi has gotten so much better offensively since then, and he's it, obviously he won't be pulled in Game 7 like he was in that series, and I, I will believe for a long time that the Spurs should have won it. But what the Spurs are going to rely on, I think they would win it, because they have a lot of options to throw at the idea of who's going to run the offense, who's going to create the seams in the defense, but but they're going to need at least one of those guys to work because now that Tony Parker's aging, Patty Mills is a different guy. We don't know what Manu's going to be. The Spurs struggled offensively against the Thunder, but the Clippers don't have the horses the Thunder did. And that's really the type of team that's beaten San Antonio is that really athletic group. And that's not what the Clippers are. Yeah, I think that could be a pretty big offensive series because the Clippers, again, probably don't really have anyone to guard Kawhi Leonard one-on-one. Uh, they also, uh, I think... The Spurs, who's going to guard LaMarcus Aldridge? Is it going to be Blake Griffin? LaMarcus probably will have an advantage on him. I actually would love to go back and watch some tape of those two guys matching up. I think LaMarcus has the length advantage on Blake and be able to get his turnaround off. Uh, but then, you know, maybe you could just go with DJ and put Blake on Pau Gasol, whom he can probably handle pretty well. And then for the Spurs, DJ could just kill them athletically in much the same way that they really struggled inside last year. And that was with Tim Duncan. Now, Pau Gasol is even less physical and uh, a worse defender and rebounder than Duncan was. So that, that could be an issue for them. I think you could see those teams really scoring against each other a lot and neither being able to stop the other, which is not what you expect from San Antonio. I think I would just give the edge there probably to the team. Well, and I, I think the Spurs are definitely going to be better in the regular season. And the Clippers, if they reach their ceiling, I think could give the Spurs a very good series, but probably the Clippers are going to be a little bit below their ceiling just because I don't think Blake is going to be quite as good as he has been in the past, and, and neither is Paul, or Redick for that matter, uh, at his age. And the Spurs having two elite perimeter defenders is the type of thing that could really shut down the Clippers because they can use, if they want to use Danny Green on Chris Paul, they can do that, but they could also put Kawhi there. And you don't even have to necessarily use a great perimeter defender on Redick. Granted, you probably wouldn't want Tony Parker there just for a lot for a lot of reasons, chasing chasing him around screens and everything else. But that allows San Antonio to do so much more to, to basically create fewer leaks defensively. And 
the Clippers don't have a lot of other guys they can create. And one thing you, we talked about, you brought the idea, which I had been thinking about as well, of maybe switching up Blake and DeAndre when they're guarding the Spurs. But you could theoretically do the same the other way because Blake, when he plays with Chris Paul, is certainly a good player. But you might want to put LaMarcus on DeAndre to just shut down the lob possibilities a little bit more because Powell would just get torched. Yeah, and I'm not sure that LaMarcus is really that much better of an option either. And Dwayne Dedman probably isn't strong enough to to deal with DeAndre. So he definitely would be a huge matchup problem for an unathletic front court like the Spurs. This is one that I wanted to ask you, actually. I mean, now, since you know, I don't think any of these other teams are going to be any good uh, against the Warriors this year, is just in general, I mean, who do you think is has a better future right now, the Suns or the Lakers? Wow. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of different considerations, but I like to look in those circumstances. The most important part is who will be the best individual player, you know, like who could be that star, the the best player on a really good team. And D'Angelo Russell has the best chance of that to me. Like the Suns have a lot more possibilities because, you know, we can never see with with Bender and Booker, but those look more like positive complimentary guys, maybe even like the second best player on a good team. But if Russell can become that offensive linchpin, then that is something very important. And the other huge aspect for the Lakers is they can pull free agents way better. I mean, the Suns couldn't even, I mean, LaMarcus was a complicated circumstance because the Spurs had a better pitch, but the Lakers, if they can manufacture enough space and do everything, they're a player for everybody, even if it takes them a while to get the right guy. Yeah, it's really tough to say. Certainly, uh, I think much depends on what happens with that Lakers pick this year, if they can retain that pick and then also not lose that 2019 pick to Orlando as a result, then I think they're looking better. But Phoenix, remember, also has those picks from Miami, uh, one through seven protected in 2018 and then unprotected in 2021. That's probably maybe a little bit beyond our time horizon, uh, even when we're talking about these teams. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, maybe deserves a little consideration. I agree. Maybe Russell has a little bit higher of an upside than Booker does. The Lakers also don't have anybody who's as good as Eric Bledsoe. They probably don't even have anybody who's as good as Brandon Knight, frankly. Uh, And I guess a lot of, although I do like Ingram better than either Chris or Bender. uh, So that I think uh, is a reason maybe to believe more in the Lakers. I don't think any of the young, I'm not going to put Julius Randle into the category of a difference maker until further notice. Same thing with Alex Len in phoenix uh, but then phoenix has a few other young pieces that could be good too like tj warren la doesn't uh, you know i guess maybe he's kind of comparable to clarkson clarkson has been a little better than him so far so yeah it's it's a pretty tough question i think i will pro would probably go with la just because i believe in their coaching more uh you know hopefully the organization will get a little bit of a facelift after this year when Jim Buss's timeline expires without them being anywhere close to contention. So, and the free agent thing that you said. So, I would say that the Lakers just a, are a little bit more. And then they have Mozgov and Dang. While those contracts weren't good, those guys are probably better than anybody that uh, the Suns have in the front court, at least with Mozgov looking healthy uh, preseason. Wow, Mozgov over Chandler and Len. So that that does indicate a little bit. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with yeah, you. Yeah, I don't think any of those guys are great, but I, I'm just I'm pretty down on Chandler. And Len at this point. And also in terms of front court upside, while 
I'm not the biggest fan of Brandon Ingram. He has he has a higher ceiling at this point than Bender does, and so I think those are the guys that you're comparing one to one if we're going just three, four, five. And so yeah. they have, and even they, that really uh, only one of Bender or Chris can kind of work out because they're pretty much competing for each other at play, with uh, for playing time. And as as much as it's you know not something we usually think about when a team is this young and both teams are at an early stage in their development, I would trust the buses to figure this out more than Robert Sarver. Oof. And that is, uh, <laughs> that is uh, quite the difficult choice between those two. Well, I think it, McDonough has been a lot better than uh, the Lakers management. Has That's been true. Over the last few years, although they obviously have made a ton of mistakes. And, you know, I, I mean, if Jerry Buss were still alive, sure. But I mean, what is, what have uh, Jim Buss done when during his stewardship, or even Jeannie, if her plan is to bring back Phil Jackson, which is rumored. Like hey, they're they're one year away from the most impes- impressive pick protection retention in the history of the NBA. That's an accomplishment. Yeah, I, I mean, I was talking to an exec- executive last night who says, no way, they are too dumb. They have pressure to win. They're not going to keep that pick, even if they're close to it. I, was, I pushed back on that and said, hey, you know, the Kings, we always say that about them every year. And then, hey, look, they end up keeping it because... Once you get to the point where you realize you're out of the playoffs, then even you know, people who have pressure to win uh, will do the, uh, the quote-unquote right thing. I mean, we can complain about prick protection all we want, whether that's right or not, but you respond to the incentives that are in front of you, so they'll do the right thing and uh, make sure that they lose enough games to give themselves a decent chance of keeping the pick. They're also not so good that they can really push that far out of it. You know, like that exactly. I agree that's with that. that I agree with that logic when a team, let's say they could be the twentieth best team in the league, that oh, it's really hard to get in the top three. But if they're pushing it, unless they really hit the top, let's say twenty five percent of their possible outcomes, they're probably going to be a bottom five team anyway, because everybody got a little bit better and because they have a lot to figure out. I mean and so tanking for the Lakers is maybe like you tell Waldang to sit for a couple games and considering he's thirty one at this point point turns 32 during the season it's not that hard to tell him to sit down considering his past and Mozgov you know he'll probably have some time that he's out due to injury and this is a Lakers team that has a lot of kind of guys but they don't have a lot of depth and once you get outside of their best players they're real bad it's the same issue to a point that the that the Sixers and Nets are going to deal with where they have a couple of players that are better than they've had in the past but they just don't have a, a full stable of NBA players at this point. You know the other thing we probably should consider too are the potential fruits of a Knight or Bledsoe trade for Phoenix because sure. I, I I was almost discounting those guys because Bledsoe is 27 with an injury history Knight is probably even old enough that he's still maybe he'll be a six man type by the time that these sons are actually ready to compete for anything but maybe they get something really good for Bledsoe because I do think that moving on from him he's on a great contract probably want to do it now while he looks healthy and and, and before he suffers another knee injury uh because uh, I think that that would make sense although again these guys have been out of the playoffs for so long the market has cooled on them so much at meaning their local market that they might just keep him just to avoid avoid pain over these next couple of years back in my vegan fish tacos days i used the term the timetable of contention and the idea was to while it's not required for every team because sometimes you're good enough that you don't have to really think about a timetable but the idea that you want to peak at a certain time and the Suns have made some moves to get young guys, but they're all a couple years away from even close to their peak. I mean, Bender and Chris, it could be four or five years. And Bledsoe doesn't make any sense with that. You know, he he can help prop you up and make it make it more of a plateau than a peak. But 
he's so good that it feels like a waste. And so if they can find a team that is really interested in that, especially if it's a team that has more shot creation in other places, then they could really use him for somebody who can be better in the immediate. And the problem for them, though, is that some of the asset-rich teams like the Celtics, I don't think the Celtics would be super interested in Bledsoe, even though that would make them pretty awesome. Today's Locked On Warriors sponsor is Athletes Collective, and it's great to have a guest on who also has experience with Athletes Collective. So it's I've been really impressed with just the quality of the material. I think that's been what struck me the most. You hear my cat in the background, by the way. He's actually really impressed by the, the material too. But it, yeah, it's. I think it's got the fabric has like a little bit more weight to it than maybe some of the other brands. It's more substantial, hasn't shrunk in the wash like some of the other brands that I have as well. So if you're a single guy, it really works well. You don't have to worry about like, air drying it like you do with some of these other brands and uh you know it, it's just nice stuff it's cheaper too than some of the big brands which is nice my girlfriend says that i look good in it it's uh it's an excellent product yeah and that's why the the quality matters is because you get that high quality and it's 40 to 50 percent off you know the some of the name brands and when you think about that that kind of a difference you think it's going to be a decrease but it really isn't and i've started over the time that i've, that I've been lucky enough to have their stuff i've started wearing it more casually and just like kind of having it when i go around the house because at first i think about workout clothes as workout clothes but then you can you can use them a little bit more than that yeah absolutely if you're just like you know you need an undershirt or something that's actually i think it's more comfortable than just your normal uh, cotton stuff to just to wear around the house and whatnot. And also, since I, I'm not a lawyer anymore, I take the opportunity to wear athletic clothes as much as possible when I go and hang out with my friends for lunch just to troll them that I uh, am not working as a professional. I don't have to dress that way anymore. So uh, they're quite useful for that purpose as well. And for listeners of the show, for your first order, you can go to athletescollective.com. And if you use the promo code WARRIORS, you can get 15% off your first order. So again, you go to athletescollective.com and then use the promo code WARRIORS, 15% off. So should we talk about Sacramento now For on whom we have wasted nary a word so far? Yeah, so there are lots of ways to think about the Kings. They will be better this year. There are a lot of reasons to think that their talent makes more sense. There should be more chemistry. They're just not good enough to compete if we're we're doing this from a Warriors lens. And I mean, I think if Ty Lawson can actually give them something this year, and he looks so much better in the preseason as you, I think you were one of the first to note when we saw the famous untelevised uh, San Jose game. Uh, If he can actually give them something and they can get you know, just semi-competent point guard play out of he and Collison, I think that really changes a ton for this team. Then I think they actually are like a pretty decent playoff contender. Uh, If Lawson, you know, and obviously he had this issue where he missed the flight. He was late for a practice in Vegas. Uh, Vlade Divac says, all right, it's still okay. Uh, He's still on the team. But if if he implodes and and Collison, you know, they're going to miss him for the first eight games with the domestic violence suspension and he also has trouble staying healthy if it's garrett temple time then these guys are going to be in big trouble uh otherwise i think they could be pretty good and they have depth at the forward spots talked about that a little bit with the suns that that's a problem but Gay, omri caspi anthony tolliver matt barnes like all those guys can play and they can they'll all probably be in smaller minute roles and even if they trade rudy gay it certainly changes what they are but it's not that devastating. And they also have more more quality at the at the two than they've had in recent years, which is another big help. Like just having that constituency of players who can actually be serviceable when they're on the floor, that's what sabotaged the Knicks a couple of years ago, was just that they had to play guys that weren't NBA caliber. And if 
you can get out of that, you can do it. The problem, though, is that the the position where they're most precarious is point guard, which is one of the most important things in the league. Yeah, their long term is looking really rough, though. We know that Cousins could be a free agent in the summer of 2018. And you have to imagine the odds are, you know, James Hamm was on my show and we did the Kings preview and he was saying, hey, he thinks their plan is going to be just go down swinging to the end like OKC did with Durant. Uh, You know, maybe that'll change. There's a small difference there. Yeah, that they were actually good. Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, Maybe that'll change if, again, they disappoint this year, but especially if they actually get to the point of being, you know, good-ish this year actually contend for the playoffs for the first time in living memory then i think that they definitely are going to hold on to cousins and then by the time you get to the trade deadline next year even if they're not in playoff position they're just going to say well no one's going to give us enough for him to really make it worth it let's just hold on and so this 50 percent chance they think probably in reality 20 percent chance of re-signing him and then of course they have the pick that they owe to the bulls this year if they keep that pick they have to swap with the Sixers so that their upside is not very high even if they're really bad for some reason this this year they're probably not going to get a top three pick 2018 they've got their pick but then 2019 totally unprotected the year after Cousins becomes a free agent going to the Sixers so uh, with all that uh, no even remotely plausible path towards getting a, a second star next to cousins all the other guys that they have drafted are are big guys so it's not like you can't you probably can't even play with cousins so even if you want to say those guys are, are going to have some upside Collie stein looks awful in the preseason papianis is years and years away Labissier is probably going to spend most of his year in reno so they don't have anybody on this team who projects as being you know even a starter level of player probably at this point among their youngs and so especially if cousins leaves me it's gonna take again i don't want to say they're gonna rebuild because that would imply that something had been built to begin with but uh they'll just have to start again from square one uh if and when cousins leaves so yeah it's it's hard to imagine this team being even you know close to a, a 50 win type of team in the next five years and i expect that the warriors assuming everyone sticks around will at least be at that level during it that also time. They're they're in this situation which happens every once in a while with a team where they have an individual talent that is good enough to make sure that they aren't bad enough to improve. Anthony Davis might end up being in the same place for the Pelicans, and there was some murmuring about. I, I think it was Jeff McDonald was talking about this with the Spurs about oh well, we'll make, like the idea of how the Spurs rebuilding doesn't make as much sense because Kawhi Leonard is good enough to prop them up, Kawhi and Pop, and so the the Kings have this issue where they have top 10 protection on the pick so they have a little bit of structural incentive to move down a little bit but they're also not going to be a bottom five team and even if they were bottom five team as you mentioned there's a swap right that the Sixers have so if they jumped in there they would they would have that so it's very hard for them you said to get a second star but it's even hard for them to get a a unambiguous starting caliber player like through the draft and most of those guys especially because they done a bad job at drafting too <laughs> like that's what, I mean, they've got ben mclemore and collie stein and nick stauskas were th- their last three top 10 picks that they had uh and, and then this year they uh, traded away you know i think uh, scal is going to be decent Papianis certainly is uh rather dubious especially for a team that's trying to entice cousins to stay uh, you know, they traded and, and chris has had uh, although he's really raw probably has more upside than anyone that they've drafted recently and they traded him away 
I can't think of a time, though maybe you can because you remember these sorts of things, where a team traded a guy who was from their own city in the draft. Like, because Marquise Chris is from Sacramento, so they drafted him and traded him somewhere else. Yeah, the memory banks are not quite functioning on that one uh, this early in the morning as we're Some, recording. Something I wanted so, to uh, ask. I, I cannot come up with something. Something I wanted to ask you was. I've been thinking, as you know, because we did an entire podcast on it a year ago, about potential Cousins trades if the Kings change their mind early. And one team that stands out as a possibility is the Suns, because the Suns have enough combination of present and future talent to make it work, and they have a greater need than a team, let's say, like the Celtics. So I don't think the whole being in the same division thing matters, especially considering these two teams made a trade, the Isaiah Thomas sign-in trade a couple years ago. But it requires the Kings saying yes and the Suns being willing to pony up the right guys. It's funny that you, who were one of the biggest proponents for a while of getting rid of divisions, now rely on the division structure for roughly one-third of all of your podcasts. <laughs> hey, when it works, it works. You take advantage of it while it lasts. And for, for that construct, if you need a way to break teams into five or six groups, might as well use that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, but it is, uh, it is ironic. Yeah, it's, uh, what were we talking about? I, I was concentrating too much on, on that epic burn that I just had. The, the Suns potentially trading for a boogie. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, they have worked together. The Isaiah Thomas was one. Obviously, the Chris trade was another, although you That's have to true. imagine that Sacramento won't be particularly interested in him as an asset coming back. But it does make sense to me just in the sense that I could see the Suns getting pretty desperate to compete, that Sarver has put pressure on the team to compete. And, and they do, I think, have the assets. Now, who's in that trade? Do you think Bledsoe? Uh, it's probably, it's probably got to be built, built around Bledsoe, right? Because the Kings aren't going to want it get bad either right so well, i think bledsoe or knight and bender is probably part of where you start yeah bender you could see as the type of guy uh, as a fellow balkan native that vladi divats might be interested in he he seems to be enamored of uh foreign players so so that could be and then maybe you know you throw in uh the, the kings might have to take on like chandler's salary or something too and then they send send something back uh, something along those lines uh yeah i, I mean and i mean I, if they if they wanted to you could probably also include rudy gay in that deal depending on how each team saw him just in terms of if the suns want to go win now and if they're i mean if they can make a better move like would you rather have Dragic or would you rather have cap space if you're sacramento Dragic? oh oh for those oh definitely Dragic. Uh, yeah so would uh, so I mean, would i Especially in Sacramento's situation. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, oh, actually, since since I brought it up, that trade was rumored a little bit yesterday. Uh, I think it was Basketball Insiders that was the first people to, to talk about it. And I think that makes a lot of sense for both sides in the sense that my, if Miami really wants to blow it up, Dragic doesn't help them. And Sacramento, I mean, it's all upside for them. Yeah, and Miami, I mean, they assume that they're going to get Chris Bosh off the books this year if they moved on from Dragic as well. They could open up close to maybe even 60 million in space and and they would want to trade him early to also tank for the best possible draft pick this year which uh they are not beyond doing when it seems hopeless i actually think miami could be okay this year i'd like to at least see how they look uh and get a chance to make that prediction i think Dragic could actually be really good for them and and maybe the other thing is that they Dragic does really well but they're still on a 31 pace and then he bumps up his trade value and then they can get more for him uh, but yeah, I, I think it would be interesting. The Suns also uh, going back to them. They've got those Miami picks. Maybe that could enter in as well. Or they could trade one of their own picks because they have the Miami picks. There are. I, I think that is an intriguing possibility. But then, of course, th that's got to happen soon. It's got to happen at this trade deadline. 
because uh, or boogie would have to provide some way of staying the other thing that that actually should be talked about is i think the value of outgoing free agents is going to rise because it's been talked about that the extension systems be fixed actually howard beck talked about that and that's something i think everybody has been discussing that they need to make it easier to extend star players so if you can trade a guy trade for a guy and then actually offer him an extension that he would sign and maybe even work that out ahead of time then someone like cousins takes on a lot more trade value even if he's in the final year of his deal yeah that's and that's really the way that it should work is that you can potentially get that surplus value it's not in any way a guarantee but it can help it and that also can give players more a little bit more say in the process because they can tell certain teams i would extend with you and other teams i can't and so if they're gonna you know they can exert a little bit more pressure on it and that's always fun what do you think the pacific division the all-important pacific division standings will be in order in let's say 2019 2019 warriors clippers because i think they're gonna i think they're gonna end up maxing out both blake and cp and so that they'll be good enough then that they'll still be a little bit ahead of the lakers the lakers at three then the suns at four kings at five yeah the really the question that you have to answer on this is will the clippers still be any good i mean there really are two scenarios right one is they just bring all of these guys back and still have the same core of their team. But at that point, I mean, what is that? Three, that's three years from now. Uh, so yeah, they'll be kind of like what Memphis is now. Yeah, except Yeah. Yeah. So, so Paul is 34 at that point. Redick is 35, 36. DJ is 30. Blake is 30. <sighs> yeah. I, I, I would say that I don't know which it'll be, but one of the Lakers or Suns will be better by them uh, than them at that point if they keep both of the of the, all their guys together. And then there's of course the possibility that they don't keep all their guys together as well, and that this season doesn't go that well, and and a bunch of them leave. So, uh, or even that Doc Rivers could leave as well, which I think it, whatever coach they get is not going to be as good as Doc Rivers uh, is. So I, I think that's a, another concern as well. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna I will say Warriors, Lakers clippers suns kings i think we both agree the kings will be last right yes because yeah. it'll also be hardest for the kings to improve over that course of time because they have fewer bites at the apple in terms of lottery picks and things like that working out and then by that point in 2019 that's when cousins could be gone so i mean it, it for me it's hard it that the hardest the most clear one might even be this the kings at five rather than the warriors at one just because there's always the possibility. I, I was thinking about this when we did over-unders. In a lot of ways, it's easier to kind of bet the the under in the way of like, it's there are a lot of more ways for a team to disappoint, like injuries or whatever, than for a team to really outperform. That pessimism uh, is what informs my over-under strategy. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else you think when we're kind of thinking about the Pacific Division, near-term, long-term, that you think Locked On Warriors listeners would appreciate? Well, this is somewhat along the lines, because uh, we haven't really discussed when the Warriors are going to start their decline and actually be in danger of not being the best team in this division. One of the reasons that I thought the KD move was so big wasn't only because of this year. I think they still would have been championships favorites this year but because with he and Steph together two three four years from now they would still be able to accomplish things that neither of those two players would have been able to accomplish on their own you know as each of them kind of gets into being in the lower end of the top 10 in the NBA instead of you know right up there at the top but what do you think is the first year that the Warriors will not be championship favorites assuming all these guys stay together so 
it isn't necessarily because of the possibility that he can he can leave, but more just because the timeline works out that 20, 2019, 2020, Clay Thompson will have been a free agent again at that point. I mean, we don't know what the extension rules will be. And that's, you know, that's another three seasons from now. So you'll see Steph and Durant and all those guys getting a little bit past. And also that's enough time for another team to have figured it out. You know, like even if the if your team is the Wolves or somebody like that, it will take them a long time to really become the best team in the league. Yeah, and so, Boston could be a threat. Yeah, Boston. Like it, whoever it's going to, like to me, if a team passes the Warriors as a championship favorite, it's going to be doing it with young guys. It's not going to be the banana boat or something like that. And so you need a little bit of time because the, there were a couple years where the draft classes just weren't that good, and you're probably going to need two star caliber players, maybe even two plus, uh, you know, Clay, like another All NBA guy to really pass this Warriors team, even as they degrade, because these four players are incredible at this point. So 2019, 2020, but if it's a year later, that's also possible, but less likely. Yeah, the Spurs could also add somebody in free agency one of the next two summers the wolves as well are going to have a ton of space we haven't talked about it but that's the one thing that i've been thinking about the last couple days is the idea that chris paul goes to the spurs yeah that that'll be interesting uh for sure if if that happens yeah just the the clippers i mean all these teams that have space this year are going to be watching the clippers very intently yeah and also because I also get to make the first reference to this on the Lockdown Warriors podcast, I don't think Rock Divers, even if he had the feeling that Chris Paul was going to leave, would even trade him anyway. It's the same thing with Boogie and going down with the ship. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, you know, it'll be interesting, too, when does this new CBA kick in? Do If they agree to an amendment, does that kick in, like, on December 15th, they announce a, a new CBA? And, I mean, you know, you can if the parties agree you can always just change whatever you want so are they going to put the new rules in now or does it not come in until next summer could you give paul or griffin an extension that would actually make sense in february i mean i think there would be a lot of owners steve Ballmer among them a lot any of these teams that have 2017 free agents are going to be all about putting that new structure into place as soon as possible and and i think players too wouldn't be against that if they why wouldn't they want the ability to take extensions that they would want to take? So that could be a huge thing. I, I actually just thought about that now. We should probably talk about that on my show, too. I, I hadn't uh, considered the possibility, and now I want to do five podcasts on it. That's like the only <laughs> thing I want to talk about now is like the idea of being able to incorporate that because this is also a class you can think about Utah. Like that would completely change the way that the Jazz think about this offseason because then they could renegotiate and extend. Well, I'm not even going to poach our own topics. So I'll save that for another time. <laughs> but but the there are a lot of teams that that would benefit from that and it's also one of those things that has a lot of natural constituencies and it will be hard for the other teams to go against it you know like there would be teams let's say Dallas where Mark I'm sure Mark Cuban would rather keep maintain the current system until July 1st but would they be able to do a forceful enough argument to say this is unfair or this is anything and because there are so many teams that are optimistic about their own guys and thinking, oh, we could use this to our advantage, they might be able to win out. Yeah. All right. I, I don't even want to go down any no, further. No, no. I'm, I'm way too happy about it. Well, so that's a good, good place to stop, though. But thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, yeah. Can, can I plug something? I actually have something Oh, of to course plug. you can plug something. Yeah. So I'm doing uh, the player profiles for the Central Division and probably also the Washington Wizards for ESPN Insider uh, because uh, Bradford Doolittle had uh, to 
cover baseball. And so I am uh, writing in the same space as John Hollinger and uh, our mutual friend, Kevin Pelton, who recommended me for it. So I'm really excited about that. The Bulls went up yesterday. Bucks hopefully will be up either today or tomorrow. And uh, that's why I have to go because I'm writing 5,000 words a day on these profiles right now. Very excited to see you writing again. I've been pushing for it for a long time. And wow, this is certainly a bear of a project that you're definitely up for it. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks again to Nate Duncan for taking the time to come on. You can listen to the Dunked On Basketball podcast on whatever podcast player you like. It's great, and I'm only a little bit biased because I'm frequently on it, though I haven't been recently because he's been doing great team previews with a lot of different people. And you should definitely listen to the Warriors one with Ethan Sherwood-Strauss if you have not already. It's a, a really great podcast. You can also check out, he's doing some cool work for ESPN Insider, helping them out with their player profiles because he talked about that at the very end because Bradford Doolittle is, I believe, following the Cubs. And so he stepped up to the plate and has done a really nice job with that. I was reading his Bucks analysis shortly before kind of recording all this and was very impressed as I am with all of his writing, which is why I nag him so much to write. Also, he is a great in-game tweeter. I'm assuming almost everybody who listens to this podcast already follows him, but it's Nate Duncan NBA, if you do not already. Great to have him on. I did enjoy, you know, kind of going five weeks before going to the well with somebody who, you know, I talk with so much. And we are probably going to do some crossover between Dunked On and Locked On Warriors. Still in the process of figuring out exactly what that's going to be. Part of it is because I would like to have original content between the two. And, you know, if somebody's a listener of both, I want to give you enough content to, to do it. But there will be times, whether it's for my own availability or because we go so in-depth on it that I feel like it would be a disservice to not put it on Locked On Warriors, that that will happen. So it's a little bit flexible. If you have any input on that or anything else, you can reach out to me. My Twitter handle is Danny LaRue, D-A-N-N-Y-L-E-R-O-U-X. Or you can check out, or you can email me. It's probably in some ways best, NBA at gmail.com. Read everything, respond to what I can and still have a bunch of emails to respond to with Lockdown Warrior stuff. And I apologize for that, but at the same point, you know that it will be incorporated at some point because we have lots of time to fill. So we will be doing that. And you can follow the podcast, Locked On Warriors on Facebook, Lockdown Warriors at gmail.com, and Lockdown Dubs on Facebook on Twitter because Lockdown Warriors is too long for Twitter. So that's why it's Lockdown Dubs. And also, if you want to support the show, there are a series of different ways you can do it. You can download every episode, subscribe, give it a rating and a review in in the podcast player of choice, especially if that's iTunes, because iTunes does affect ratings in terms of sponsors and all that sort of thing, because it is, you know, it is the most commonly used one. So I really do appreciate that. The other way you can support us and hopefully do yourself a good service as well is check out Athletes Collective. I really do use their stuff. I really do enjoy their stuff. And if you go to athletescollective.com and use the Warriors promo code, you get 15% off your first order. So that's something else you can do. I am genuinely unsure if this will be the last episode of the week because I may end up recording after the final preseason game, the Warriors-Blazers game that is occurring on Friday. I am not sure if I do record, I will, I I will put put it out, you know, even if it's for, you know, ostensibly for Locked On Blazers, I will put that out. And I just recorded with my friend Fred Katz for Locked On Thunder in a podcast that has no Warriors stuff, except that we talk a little bit about Durant just in the Rolling Stone piece that came out. So you can do that. I do want to talk at some point about the possibility of JaVale McGee making the team, 
but I will wait until that is official to to see what happens and because there could be other corresponding roster moves with centers we really don't know we do know they cut it down to 15 but cutting it down to 15 at this point does not necessarily mean something because the Warriors would definitely be a team that players would be interested in if they get surprise cut one of those guys who was a surprise cut was former Warrior Jarrett Jack and while I am not speculating anything about his potentially joining the Warriors at the same time I know from my own experience that you never really do that until the team announces this is our final 15-man lineup before the start of the year, and that probably will be Monday. It could be could be Sunday, depending on what happens, but some of that is also dependent on when, when other teams make their decisions. So keep an eye on that. If you follow me on Twitter, follow all the other great barrier writers, you can keep that on and make rest assured that Locked On Warriors will cover all of that fun if you want to call it minutia, you can when it comes there. And I've become more sold on JaVale McGee. We talked a little bit about that with Darius Soriano last night. So thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99. And our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.